What's up, everybody? Are you tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS? Well, tune in to me, Tyson Apostle, as I break down each and every episode with my co-host, Amelia Wedemeyer. I'm also a contestant on the show, which gives you all the insider scoop. Amelia, how stoked are you to do this? Tyson, I'm freaking excited. I cannot wait to sit my butt down every single week to watch the show, then come here and recap it with you on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. What does your next drive look like? Running between meetings? Maybe a getaway with the whole family? Either way, the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Welcome back. A couple of special guests uh, here on the show today. And I had to confess to them that, you know, I feel so guilty about this because I'm late to the show and I'm mad at myself because this is exactly the type of show I want on television. (laughs) This type of thing is exactly what I want on TV. And I'm so happy that it's there. And Matt Wolpert, Ben Nadivi, who are the co-creators, I think along Ronald Moore, I believe, right? Right. Uh, For All Mankind, the Apple Plus show that is amazing, guys. If you haven't seen it, they're about they're launching the third season right now. And it is a fantastic show. Welcome to Black on the Air, guys. Thank you so much. Really happy to be here. It's so nice to have you here. This, like I said, this converges with so many things that I love. Like I was a huge space geek growing up. Like I grew up during that time of the space shot and all that stuff, you know, and like, especially that first season, like I'm all, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I see you guys. That's a, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. Okay. You know, and looking at that from that perspective, you know, it really is uh Amazing. Let's let's start with the before we get into where you are right now and everything. Let's start with an origin story. Like, how did this idea? Well, let's let's describe before all mankind is first. It's kind of an an alternate history retelling of if the Soviets had landed on the moon first, and that's kind of the inciting incident for a series, right? That's right. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's basically an alternate history that asks what if in that space race of yeah. the sixties and seventies that drove both America and the Soviet Union to such great technological accomplishments. What if the United States didn't get to the moon first? What if the Soviet Union actually beat us there uh-huh. and that space race kept going? Because uh-huh. really when we, we got to the moon first and the Soviets weren't able to match us for that, it, it kind of petered out. I mean, there was the space shuttle and there were some other things that, but there was kind of this lull that happened afterwards. I mean, you know, there were a few Apollo missions that went to the moon and then it was like yeah. funding dried up and the sort of the the drive to keep going um, that really was driven a lot by like a fear of the other guy getting there first or like, what are they going to do up there on the moon? You know, there was such a fear in the Cold War of uh, of even when Sputnik was launched, it was like, oh, my God, there's a, there's Sputnik. you know, what are they going to rain down from Sputnik on us? Yeah. You know, so that that fear kind of drove both countries to go further and our and the concept of our show is what if that competition kept going and mm-hmm. pushing us to greater and greater accomplishments you know and and like in in season 1 of the show there's a there's a lunar base 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's those kinds of things that it, you see a lunar base in the 1970s and you're just like, what? Well, what's interesting is that, see, I'm old enough. You guys are, these are the youngsters, you know, but <laughs> I remember, see, television in the 60s, imagine those things actually, you know, like space 1999, you know, things like that, or 2001, a space odyssey, how intelligent Hal was by that time. And those types of things, you know, that we were on a trip to Jupiter for Christ's sakes, you know, and the way things were super imagined and just the coitus interruptus of the space program was, was fascinating. Even at the time I was like, what the fuck's going on? Why? It was so interesting. It almost was like sex. Like, you know, the United States. All right, we came. We're on the moon. <laughs> because, I, you know, it's funny because almost immediately after, it's like, oh, no, don't touch me. I'm too sensitive. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, let's not go home. back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it was all this courtship and everything. And as soon as yeah. we got it, it was like, okay, all right. Well, it was, it was more like masturbation, really, because we were alone, you know, up there. I, I know. Like, it's so just true. Kind of weird. Like, okay, I'm done and I'm alone. And Where's everyone else? Yeah, it's like someone was masturbating in the other room and was and was racing us. You know, let's just oh, take no. this analogy. Oh no, I'm coming first. There, <laughs> you got you got the show's essence down, Larry. That is that is the show. I wanted to crystallize for the audience how you started. It was the masturbation <laughs> was the idea behind all this. How life starts is how our show starts. Inspires everything, really. Well, what's interesting is that, and I love how your show. Well, here, let me put it this way. The Soviets were far ahead in many ways in the beginning. If we go back to Sputnik and we think about that time, you know, first they launched a dog into space. He was called uh, uh, Mutnik at the time, I think, you know, and the world was fascinated by this. The Soviets held the world's fascination for a couple of years during this time, you know, Uh, and people were devastated when the dog came down. There was no plan, you know, for reentry or something that like galvanized the world. Like people forget about these events that happened. You know, they had the first woman in space in the early sixties. Yeah, we didn't have one until the eighties. Right? Twenty years before Sally Ride, they had yes. a woman in space. Yeah, no, the the joke. There's this thing online that's like, you know, who won the space race? And you just see like the Russians win every everything they won. Yes. Like, the first woman, the first dog, the first like. But we got to the moon first, like the Americans won. It was like our first victory. But we, at that point, it was like, it's over. We won the race. So it is, you're right. There's yeah. this false sense of we beat the Soviet Union. But I, I feel like they were, I mean, they were kicking our asses until that point. Did that play a part into the initial storytelling as to why the Soviets like kind of stopped? I think it was one of their uh, space directors kind of died in the mid 60s or something, right? Yeah, the, there was this guy, of uh, Sergei Korolev, who... It, for us, is sort of the pivot point of our alt history. Um, mm-hmm. And he died in 66, I think, in a okay. botched surgery. Basically, like, you know, he went in for a, a routine surgery and didn't come out. Wow. Um, and he's the guy. He was the fa- I mean, he was to the Soviets what Von Braun was to the Americans. He was the father of right. that program and kind of a, an incredibly ambitious guy who pushed that program. So in our alt history, when we were thinking about this, we were going, okay, if the Soviets got there first, that's not the chain. That can't be the first thing. It had to be what led them to keep their program going. Because by that point, the Soviets actually, in terms of their ability to get to the moon, it was pretty limited. They weren't, they weren't even close by that point. Mm-hmm. So our feeling was if he lived in 66 and he pushed at the same pace that he was going before that point, that they could have beat us. Yeah. And I think that that sort of formed the the, you know, the pivot, kind of the butterfly effect of our 
of our show. But, you yeah. know, I have to say one of the things that inspired, I think, Ron, Matt and I, when we were first talking about this idea, was Apollo, you know, not only TV shows from that era, Apollo, like NASA, had all these plans for moon bases. You know, there's a, the Sea Dragon. They had all these crazy ideas that they were designing and, and building and kind of working on that when Nixon cut the program, it was sort of cut back the program. All those things just went away, but they were all there. And I think the fun we had really in, in a very space geek kind of way was how cool would it be to bring life to these ideas that never got, mm-hmm. to see, you know, how cool would that be? You know, including in the end of season one, that like huge fucking sea dragon launch out of the ocean. That's a real thing. That was something that was truly designed and never came to life. So for us, I think a lot of it was not just about, you know, taking ourselves further, but like bringing things that never happened into life. And I think that, that that's really a cool little, little thing that I don't know everyone who watches the show appreciates, but it's definitely a big part of it for us. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating is you guys mix that part of it, but then you, you create an alternate social timeline, which to me is fascinating too. And some of it is subtle and some of it is a bit more dramatic, like shifting the presidential timelines yeah. and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. like, who remembers Gary Hart? <laughs> like that type of stuff. <laughs> you know? but I was like, Oh my God, they resurrected Gary Hart above people, yeah. you know, but and, you know, I'm kind of a political junkie and some of that stuff. And I'm like, I, you know, it's funny because some people come about for certain reasons, you know, like even I don't even know if Reagan gets elected, if Kennedy's president and that sort of thing, you know, like how things shift. But were you guys thinking in the beginnings, like, OK, uh, how much like social fabric are we changing here to go along with this technological story that we want to tell? Cause both things are kind of happening. That's, that's some of the layers in the show that I find real interesting. Yeah. It, it kind of evolved to be honest, but, mm-hmm. but I think um, Ben and I are also political and history junkies. And, and honestly, that's probably our favorite part of the show, <laughs> even oh, though wow. we love all the science and the character yeah. getting to, we, we like to think that we get to rewrite history. We're sort of revising history with our show. Yes, you uh, are. And, yes. And so even those little ideas of like, well, we, we really got into the weeds of like, well, if Ted Kennedy had not gone to Chappaquiddick right, right, and, right, and, and his, his political career would not oh. have cratered. And can yeah. you imagine if in 72 Ted Kennedy's running and the space program was like a real big, uh, you know, the space race was still really a, a big deal. Mm. And, and we felt like that would, that's a no brainer. Kennedy wins. But, but then we also, it's important to us that it's not just, about pushing one side forward because sure. there's always history is about progress and then a reaction to progress in exactly. our minds. And so that's why we felt it made a lot of sense that there still is that sort of conservative mm-hmm. upswell with Reagan. And uh, if Nixon had if sort of the establishment Republicans had not had been forced out earlier, that dramatic Reagan, you know, uh, convention thing where he almost got the, the nod in 76 with, with a more moderate uh, VP, uh, we were like, well, what if that actually shifted a little bit? And he Mm. actually got the nod because he was going up against Ford at that time. So anyway, not to get too into the political. No, no. This is this is the show to talk about that stuff, yeah. though, guys. This is the actual show to talk about. It. You know what happens though in the room? We start going on these tangents, these yeah. like alt history tangents for hours. We're like, okay, wait, this is like for five percent of our audience. Exactly. Who exactly. But we're like talking. So Gary Hart's VP. Who would that be? Let's look uh, at the Congress and what districts and what uh, you know. 
We love, I mean, we love it, but it's definitely an area that, you know, as we're getting further and further into the alt history, the butterfly effect is even bigger, you know, so the changes are bigger. So it's interesting how what was fun in season one and two is we could hold on to, you know, we could, you could contain it somewhat, right? Contain it, but also, you know, use actual historical figures. I mean, the technology with the lip flap is pretty insane. I mean, it's terrifying, but we took it to our advantage because we, we literally took Reagan and Ted Kennedy and put words in their mouth and changed. That was fascinating. Yeah. Wrote a speech, you know, wrote a, a dialogue between him and a character of ours. And the ability to do that w- from an entertainment standpoint was like thrilling, you know, like, wow, I can write Reagan lines. But then also there's a, a part of us deep down, uh, like, wait, you can write Reagan lines like that. Like, where, <laughs> where does that where does that go? Where does that end? <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, for a little TV show, if we can do this, I can only imagine mm-hmm. where that technology can really be taken. But, and uh, how challenging is that for you guys? Because the third level of this, you've already got those two levels, but the third level is you're telling a long form, complex character story as well. You know, yeah. so how do you? What's the biggest challenge in balancing that type of storytelling? Because I feel your show is very unique in that sense to have those elements in it. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly difficult. It's probably the most difficult mm-hmm. part of the writing process is finding the right balance of everything. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we are in the writer's room, there is so much. I mean, we, you know, each season could be 30 episodes long at the beginning, like where there's so sure. much stuff. And so it's really about what, finding what are the most important moments in each character's story mm-hmm. to tell and having to sort of let the other uh, moments in those characters' lives be things that happen in between. But that's kind of the nature of our show as well, because each, each uh, season jumps a decade. So in each, mm-hmm. uh, right. in each season, there's the story we're telling. And then there's 10 years that we skip over with these characters. And when you come back and mm-hmm. meet them in, in the first episode of the next season, you're like, wait, I, I, how is that character yeah. in that position now? Like what happened? And, yeah. and we definitely challenge the audience to kind of, you got to roll with it at first and, and be confused yeah. and try to understand, okay, wait, I'm trying to understand how that guy or woman wound up in that place that doesn't seem like they would have, but, Oh, okay, I see. Well, these things happen in between seasons that make sense. And so it's honestly having to, even having to map out those in between seasons periods is very um, time consuming, <laughs> but it's fun. Was that an idea, Matt, that occurred to you after season one or in the beginning, were you kind of looking at the show from that kind of standpoint? When, when we first started talking about it in Jerry's Deli in the Valley, Ron and Ben and I would meet in, in the mornings and, and the, the wait staff hated us because we would sit there all day. And, and we started talking about like, how, how could we get the space race? We were never, we were promised, but never got. And we realized just, just on a very basic level of like building things and designing things. If this is a, a sort of a, a, you know, a normal show where each season is, is just after what happened in the last season, you right. wouldn't get very far. So we had that. It was mm-hmm. very early on. We knew we had to make these big time jumps to really get the scope of what the, that little change season one, not that much actually changes. You know, they're still using Saturn five, right? There's a lunar base, but it's sort of, you know, it's based on Skylab and it's, it's sort of a little bit and each season gets further and further away. It's a baby base. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, the, the, I think that's one of the things that people are now starting to grasp with the show 
is just mm-hmm. how epic of a scope it is the further we get out. What interests me too, and I don't know how I feel about this, is when I say that, I just like, I, I find it interesting that you chose to have technology kind of be the door or opener, let's say, for social change, you know, because that didn't quite happen in the 60s, but then we insist that it would have happened in the 70s. I'm like, well, why? You know, I, I remember I had Ed Dwight on my show, who was one of the first black astronauts to change yeah. with the, you know, to train with with those guys, the ones after Mercury uh, 7. And, you know, he was just kind of erased after a while, too, you know. And so it was really resonant with their story of the women, how that Mercury 13, I think it was, was the actual thing. And they just kind of got erased. Like, we never even knew about them. And you guys bring them back. Yeah. Very nice. But do you yeah. think technology does play a role in social change? I mean, are you, is this something you feel like you, you're stretching a bit or you think, well, what the, this type of thing can bring us open up opportunities and stuff. I'm not sure how, if I'm asking that properly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the promise of technology opens it up, but I think you're right. I think for us, at least, it didn't come a place. It wasn't simply about technology, but also about also the 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 race, the competition. Right. Because the Russians, the Russians put a woman up there, you know, early. And I think in our show we have them putting up a woman on the moon. So suddenly Nixon wants his own woman yes. on the moon. It's strict competition is the reason, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So it's funny. Like our our thing was like this is. You're right. Like it's not like oh technology changes and sure, suddenly sure. you know flowers are growing everyone's in utopia no that that is not what happened it's a very cynical thing of like they put a woman i want a woman you know and it sort of started actually from that cynical place in, in our show because we feel a lot of times progress does come not necessarily from um a beautiful wonderful moment mm-hmm. you know and it, like it's, it's like you know, Lyndon Johnson did a lot of changes in civil rights, but he's not seen, he was not seen at the time as a great civil rights leader, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting thing yeah, where that is interesting. the right person at the right time and with the right kind of historical moment, I think can change things. And yeah. I think that's sort of a, a thing behind the show that this drive to go further does start to make us look at our own lives, mm-hmm. or, you know, at, at ourselves as a society. I think it does. And I think that's something that has been lacking. Yeah. And just to add to that quickly on, on the, grassroots level though like technology enabled that first soviet woman to get to the moon but was the image of her on the moon and all Mm. these women around the world seeing her there you know you see it in our character of tracy stevens she's watching this woman wow look at look at what achievement she did and that technology kind of enabled that to happen even though it was the sort of the image of this woman doing an amazing accomplishment and that was kind of our thought process was, well, if the Mercury 13 got back, even though it started from this cynical place, seeing women in this sort of inspirational, uh, you know, competent, you know, out there putting their lives on the line for their country mm-hmm. way that early would have changed, pushed yeah. the ball forward with feminism and things like that. I find that very fascinating too, because what you're doing is there's this notion of nationalism, which feels dampened in that moment when you're in that bar and, you know, there's not the exhilaration we would have had had we been there. But then when, you know, in the next episode or whatever, when it is the woman, there's a different feeling. So that is interesting. I, there, there are a couple of things I want to ask about this, because 
I love dealing in concepts and stuff like that, you know, when you're figuring out what a show is and that type of thing. I feel like your show deals with this idea first in an interesting way. And I love the way you deal with it because like what you were just saying, man, things can have a cynical origin, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's how it ends up, right? How, how important is this notion of first? It happens a lot in your show, you know. You're even dealing with in season three, you know, a black woman who is going to lead this mission to Mars, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And should she be doing this? You know, what's the, uh, you know, you know, what's the what's the social ramifications yeah. of these things? You know, all that type of stuff. So it's still being dealt with. It feels like a big thing in your thinking. I think it's it's a big deal, but it's also kind of ridiculous, right? When you think about it, and I think we—that's what I mean. It's both, yeah. but it is important too. Yeah. Like, like the, yeah, we're gonna be yeah. first, but then as you say, a little girl seeing that woman Change. first in the moon—that's yeah. fucking powerful yeah. image. Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and I think that's the thing. the The show is always balancing between, you know, the absurdity of the race and the inspiration. You know, the, the, you're right. The inspiration, because in the end of the day, yeah, you look up and you see, you know, a black woman on Mars. You're like, whoa, it, it is going to change. Whoa. Things, you know? <laughs> yeah, it does change. You know, I, I agree with you. I think it does. Like, you suddenly realize it's possible. And I think that changes the trajectory of history in many ways. You know, and I think, yeah. so for us, the first as a symbolic thing is hugely important and, and potential to change history for sure. But also, as we show in third season, you know, spoiler alert, like it, it also is a bit, it brings out the worst in people as well. You know, the idea of right. getting there first. How much is uh, the butterfly effect of things a factor in your storytelling when you're figuring out stories? You try not to think about it too much. You just try to focus more on what these, uh, you know, the personal stories are first. Uh, how do you guys navigate that type of thing? It's a bit of both. I mean, we definitely always try our best to approach things through character as we're breaking stories, because mm -hmm. those are really the, the character stories is what drives every episode and makes people coming back and you fall in love with these characters and you want to see what happens with them. Um, but I think we are also very conscious of the, the thought behind each change. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not like, oh, well, the Soviets beat us to the moon. So now suddenly everybody's dressing differently. You know, mm -hmm. I like it's it, you have we're really thoughtful about, OK, well, what what things would change and what things would stay the same? Because, mm -hmm. you know, we're asking the audience to go on kind of a big leap with us here. And so right. we're very invested in making the show feel as real as possible in each moment, even though it's an alternate history. And a lot of the things that are happening, you know, wouldn't be possible in our current timeline with the technology we have now. So we want to make it feel as real as we can. I know probably some of the early stories, I don't know how much you borrowed from actual people and that sort of thing. As you go along, of course, there's not the same kind of divergence. Do you, right. do you still pull from stories oh, yeah. that actually happen to people a lot? Oh, yeah. No, we, we still, like Matt said, it's almost like we're adapting history where we, we take people and we take historical events. You know, I think the second season in our mind, a lot of it was, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis on the moon, you know, was something. So we look at a historical event and go, what would that look like in our world? Like, what would that look like in a world where you're on the moon or you're getting to Mars? And even historical mm -hmm. figures, like, it's tricky because you can't, sometimes it legally gets tricky in terms of what you can do with uh, actual figures and not. So we try to, mm -hmm. we try to li limit it. But at the same time, we, we feel like it's, 
it's important to kind of show that they're part of this world to really ground this. Mm-hmm. Like Matt was saying, you know, even though it's an alternate history, I think sometimes a lot of alternate history sci-fi shows kind of, it's all about the change. It's all about what's different. And they lean into that right. all the way. We yeah, actually go sure. out of our way to, to stay grounded in our real history in many ways. Right. So that when you see the changes, they are noticeable to you. And you, sometimes you don't even realize like my favorite thing is like people watching the show and asking, wait, did that really happen or not? And having to Google it and go, oh my God, wait, oh. that's not. So we don't we don't throw it in the audience's face. We're not, you know, we never like say, this is alt history right here. This isn't real. So there are events that happened and events that didn't happen. They're intertwined. And we kind of leave it up to the audience to, if they want to go down that road, there's a lot of Easter eggs. And, and you know, it's, I think it's like Matt said, it comes from a place of the space race. But yeah, once one change off of the space race happens, then that change leads to another change, you know? So the butterfly effect mm-hmm. is getting pretty insane by season three, but like the nineties, <laughs> because now we, I mean, yeah. we, in the first season, we had this thing around our writer's room with like our alt history timeline. And like, whenever wow. a new person came up with an event, we put it up there. And by the end, it, this thing was so full, Larry, I was like, I can't even look at it anymore. It's too, yeah. it's killing us. So, you know, in a way, like, I think what's nice is the further we go, the less we have to, um, depend on what happened and what was actually existed. But at the same time, I feel sorry about that because I kind of enjoy playing with real, really real figures. So, you know, what was really interesting to see was um, without getting too much into the specifics, because it just, this episode just aired uh, or just dropped uh, yesterday, I think. Okay. But episode six of season three, there's a, there's a, um, a storyline about sort of something in the world that is very much of the nineties that didn't change and seeing the reactions of people, the sort of disappointments of like, wow, look how far we went in all these other ways. And that's still the same. And, and it, and they, they weren't saying like, it didn't feel real or anything. They were saying that actually feels really real. And it's really depressing that it says something about humanity that as, as much as we can push forward, we're still kind of the same people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that uh, it's an interesting thing. The further we get from our actual historical timeline, there are those things that just hold on mm-hmm. and, and take longer to change. And do you guys have a sense of what things do you definitely want to stay the same in terms of events that can make more of a conflict for your characters, you know, as, because as you say, you can have rich fantasies about the change, but what about the events that you say, we need this to still have happened because that's going to make for good story for us. It's a good question. I I mean, it's interesting as a, what it seems we've done with like one of our characters, you know, like I think gender equality has become a bigger deal in our show because of the bigger deal. And, you know, but a thing that hasn't gone as far as gay rights, you know, because the the Russians mm. were just as homo, like we're just as homophobic basically as the Americans. And so for many ways like that, there wasn't that competition to kind of free up. So I think we have a character, Ellen Wilson, who is closeted for much of the, you know, for the whole show, basically like she, and I think what's interesting is seeing mm-hmm. that through the perspective of an alt history of today, you know, and this comes up a lot with our actors and writers. And it's very hard. Mm-hmm. I think in a world of social media, to separate what we're going through today or what we see happening today from a period show, especially when you're talking, by the way, about an alternate history period show, right? Because yes. the idea is, well, if it's alternate history, why are you why are you focusing on bad shit, man? You know, and it's like, well, because we're storytellers. <laughs> right, right. But right. it is interesting, you know, and it comes up a lot of like, you know, why is that still a problem in this world? And I think it's like Matt said mm-hmm. earlier, it's sort of, 
yes, the road to progress is there's a lot of pushback. You know, we see that as students of history. Whenever there's, you know, we went from Obama as a president to Trump as a president. You know, like we, there's that pushback happens historically. If you look at things, and I think we wanted, yeah. we wanted to be true to that, you know, as as storytellers. And I think also it it makes a more interesting story to have that. A lot of that was planted. I'd have to say early on, where we're like, what are the what are the changes we're going to do, and what are the changes mm-hmm. we're not going to do, and then in terms of specific events, you know, from history that we hold on to or not, that kind of is a natural evolution in the room. It's fun. It's like sort of a, we, in the beginning of every season, we talk about, you know, we always start with character, but then we talk about also like, what are the big events of that era? And is there something we want to hold on to or not? And, and as we get further and further, that becomes less of a thing. And and I think it's, it's really, does it make sense for the characters for this event to still happen? Does that, does that do anything? Sure. And also, by the way, not just show the event exactly how it happened, because like Matt's referring to, you know, I mean, I guess we can just say it. It's don't ask, don't tell, right? And the whole thing is like, why is our world in our in our show? Don't ask, don't tell still happens. But it happens right. not in exactly the same way it happened in real history. So that it's sort of like, yes, we're dealing maybe with a similar event, but through a different, you know, in a different direction, through a different window. Well, even Helios is kind of a, feels like a contemporary tech company, yeah. you know, right? even with the open office space, you know, you have a man of color running it. That type of thing, the environment, you know, almost feels contemporary was a because when I think back at that time, it's like, oh, man, we still had middle managers back in those <laughs> days. You know, I mean, I mean, the way offices looked in the yeah. early 90s, oh, start <laughs> different. That would have been unthinkable to in my, you know, me, me, the dinosaur looking <laughs> at that, you know. No, and it was I mean, that was a fun world to play around in for a tech company when tech is really booming in the way that it right. was more now, but, but also that there was that nineties tech boom. And I think, yeah. you know, we, we did approach that from more of a character point of view and that dev Iesa uh, has this yeah. philosophy about egalitarianism. That is a reaction sure. to the cold war of he saw these two countries competing in space, almost lead us to the brink of nuclear war and was like, this us versus them thing is not uh, going to work. You know, we've got to like change things. So as, as complicated a character as he is, you know, he does have this, this rooted idea of mm-hmm. um, all working together. And that, you know, going back to your other question for a second, the other thing that I think is really interesting with our show is like the cold war is essentially at the heart of the show, right? It's all about this right. condition driving us forward. But there's also over the seasons, there's this slow, like growing understanding between the people on each side of each other and that, oh, we're actually more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. But trying to hold on to, you know, the more they they uh, become friends, the less competition there is to sort of yeah. really push forward. So it's really holding on to that idea of the Cold War in our show is something that, you know. For a lot of people, the Cold War, uh, I mean, well, for everyone, the Cold War went away in our real timeline for a while. And now it's kind of come back with a vengeance. Uh, yeah, where a lot of younger way. people are like, well, I don't even know what the Cold War was. And now they're like, oh, <laughs> right, exactly. oh, this is what the Cold War was. Yeah, our show's become a lot more relevant right now. Yeah, people are like, so the Cold War, is that about climate change? It was, like the weather? It was, just, it was just colder then. I right? thought it's getting hotter. What's going on here? Wait. That was like global warming. game after the Cold War, right? <laughs> but that's interesting, too, because in your scenario, the race, the first 
makes for a stronger Russia. Russia doesn't collapse yeah. because of that. Soviet Union yeah. stays stronger, which has consequences. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it would seem like no no Berlin Wall gets knocked down in this. I I don't remember seeing that in your. This is what happened when you guys were away these last few years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Old documentary. Yes, yeah. exactly. Which I appreciate that type of thing. You know? <laughs> Uh, and I find that interesting too, you know, that kind of dynamic, because that was always imagined. Even you look at 2010, you know, the, the so-called sequel to 2001, yeah. you know, it still imagined that intact Soviet, you yeah. know, race and that type of thing. That's interesting. You know, where he, this is kind of like Spectre, if I use my James Bond analogy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> it's the third entity now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm geeking out on some of this. You know, it's kind of interesting. Here's what I want to ask you guys: uh, some tragic things have been omitted that have to deal with NASA as well. Like no mention of Apollo 13 in that sense. You do that different type of thing in different ways, yeah. which is interesting. Season three, you know, is one of those examples. The the opener, but also, but the Challenger was such a huge event in the mid 80s. Was there any thought about? Not having the challenger, what happened? It's interesting, you know. Again, it it came. It's interesting because for Matt and I, challenger was actually the most, you know, for for Ron, the Apollo, like the moon landing, was the big moment of space moment of his life. For us, it was the challenger. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in, were in school, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in school in a classroom. They brought the TV in. Mm-hmm. We're gonna watch the teachers go up. I mean, I it's that that event, I can't imagine the psychological trauma that put on so many children watching that. Like who wants to be an astronaut after that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. And I think in many ways that the ramifications that did, you know, whenever there's a tragedy like that, I think it does dim down Mm. the, you know, the excitement of going to space. There's almost, Oh wait, people can die. And it's a Mm -hmm. big thing in our show too, that we talk about in the first episode, like people are going to die. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not a child's game. This is, this is ris- as risky as it gets like space, you know, is an unrelenting bitch as uh, one of our characters says, you know, and I think, yeah. I think that push to go further is like you said, essentially, yes, we don't have the challenger explosion, but we definitely refer in season two to the, what led to the challenger explosion. We have a little scene that I don't know if a lot of people notice of like a character going, that you can tell through what she says, they resolved that issue mm. that led to the Challenger explosion. So I think, you know, and Apollo 13 doesn't happen because obviously once we, once we, you know, landed on the moon ahead of the, you know, behind the Russians built a base, all of a sudden it didn't make sense for those kind of events to happen in the same way, mm. which is not to say they don't happen. Like you said, like, I think Apollo 13 in many ways is the best sort of analogy for a show. Cause like every season there's an yeah, Apollo 13 that's sure. type thing that you have the engineers have to solve mm-hmm. and the, the engineers down in Houston have to solve and the astronauts up there have to deal with. So like that's constantly happening on a show. We have like a hundred Apollo 13s, but yeah, it's to your point, it's really about picking and choosing kind of doesn't make sense with the changes that have already happened for those same tragedies to happen. Um, and, and most of the time it doesn't, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. I think as we get further, it doesn't, but which is not to say tragedy does not happen. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who watches the show will know we, we're not afraid of, of killing off characters or showing mm-hmm. the ramifications of this. And I think that is what it comes down to for Matt and I, especially is that the constant reminder that this is not a game. Cause I think now, especially with, with Bezos going up there and my, it's, it's getting this, like putting the Tesla up there. It's kind of the feeling Tesla. a little bit like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, like it's like a child's play thing. Like, Oh, look, we're in space. Yeah. And, and I think people need to, I mean, it's not, it is, this is not like a safe endeavor. This is yeah. insanely dangerous. And the more 
Matt and I have read about it and researched it. And the more we talk to astronauts, like the realization that, yeah, in our efforts to go further, there are going to be losses. There are going to be more yeah. tragedy. And it's uh, the, our ability as a humanity to kind of be able to deal with that and keep going and not mm -hmm. suddenly turn our backs on the program. I feel like what makes the wonder of the moon landing, certainly when I was a kid, was our knowledge of the frailty and how easy yeah. it was. I mean, we were just, I think, two years removed from the disaster with Apollo 1, you know, yeah. the, the fire, you know. I find that I, love is not the right word, but I I agree with you, Ben. It, I feel it's such an important part of your storytelling to remind people that this shit is real, you know, yeah. that, uh, you know, as much as we want to romanticize space or would like to, or we dismiss it, it's not that big of a deal. This shit is dangerous, you know. Do, do you think the people feeling like we're so advanced can make us lose interest in these types of things at all? You know, for me, I, I'm really excited about, even though I agree with all of the sort of, there's a cavalier attitude, but there's also like more people than ever are excited about this now, you know, and, and it's reawakened this kind of sense of adventure and exploration that I think it's always been a part of humanity, but it's kind of coming, coming back to the fore and you kind of need those. Like I bet Christopher Columbus was probably a, like that too, where he's like, Hey, look what I'm putting on my boat. And it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was like, okay, there goes Chris again. Like, uh, you, said, you mean besides smallpox, Chris, what, are you <laughs> 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 what exactly are you putting on that boat? Sorry. Sorry. I had to keep that real. <laughs> oh yeah. No, but believe me, we have that with a lot of our actors too, where it's like, do we really have right, to right, reference right. this person that we all, we now know is horrible. <laughs> And it's like, well, yeah, but in the nineties or the eighties, that was Chris Columbus was still a good guy at that then. <laughs> right, 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 right. You can be both. You can do significant things and still yeah. be a horrible person. We've learned that you can do both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting now that the like Matt's saying, the there's this new race mm -hmm. now. But it's it's like and it's United Arab Emirates is going up there and China's going up there mm -hmm. and like Elon Musk and Amazon. It's it's a very like hodgepodge. And it's, it almost feels like it's inspired in a weird way. Again, it's, I think the fear of missing out, like the FOMO of the Americans is what's driving us to be like, wait, we can't let China get there. We can't. So it is, again, I, I agree. I almost feel there is this groundswell now. Um, and even with these photos, I don't know if you saw the James Webb, yeah. but like that just came back. Crazy. Like, oh my. So there, and I, I love it. I mean, I hope this increases the wonder, especially in younger mm -hmm. people of what is, what is out of this world? Because honestly, I think the more Earth, <laughs> the more you read and see the news of what happens every day here, I think the more there is a, a desire to kind mm -hmm. of not necessarily escape, but escapism. The idea of, well, okay, we fucked this up. What's what's the potential out there? You know, what is the, what is, mm -hmm. you know, what's out there for us? I think, I hope continues, you know, that desire. I don't know. And, and I feel it's starting, but you know, the, the corporate tourism of it all, it definitely concerns us. I hope so too. I've always liked the dance between the fact that we need better and more varied and interesting technology to do that push. And then that helps the things at home. I've always felt mm -hmm. that they're yeah. dance. I've always enjoyed that type of dance. Have you guys been inspired by the web images and that sort of thing? And has it given you ideas for possible uh, future seasons or where you might want to go or, or yeah. that type of thing? Honestly, it's, it's amazing. And it's so, mm -hmm. it's just mind blowing the the scope of 
you know, that, that first image uh, that had all those different colored galaxies. Yeah. Just the sheer vast nature of those are all galaxies like the Milky Way, like that are full of millions and millions of stars with planets. And it's like, how are we not alone? Like there's no, like you just see that it's like the universe is so huge. We're just a shred of dust. And and we're talking about how amazing it is that we're going in our show to the next planet over, you know? I know. It's mind blowing. It's like there's, what took us so long is the real question. Exactly. Although it's really funny because I I showed those uh, images to my son and Mm -hmm. he looked, he's eight years old and he was like, no, that's fake. That's not real. We didn't go to the moon. We didn't go to the moon. <laughs> How did you hear this? <laughs> Who's this little conspiracy theorist? <laughs> I know. I was like, no, Henry, it's really, it's a telescope. And, and he, he was like, no, uh-huh. no, don't believe it. I'm like, I, I have a problem in my hands. <laughs> As they say, any advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. You know, oh, yeah. At the time so it comes out. You know, and yet sometimes in the rear view, you have recency bias where people go, they weren't smart enough to do that back then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you're always fighting both of those things, which is kind of funny. No, and it's interesting, too. I don't know if you've seen these images also from Mars that have come back recently. You know, Mm, I haven't seen those. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you got to check these out. It's like because, you know, we have our image of Mars from movies and TV shows many right. times, you know, only actually seeing all these color images from Mars coming back all the time. And we as a show, you know, the fact that we're writing about Mars mm-hmm. as we're getting images about Mars, you know, is fascinating because it allows, you know, we're literally taking images, going to visual effects, being like, can it look like that? Like, how? let's make this look as close to what actual yeah. Mars looks like, because I think there's this misperception based on, you know, movies we've seen or how it's supposed to look. And it's so varied and they're like, there's, there's so much going on there. That's beyond just the kind of cliche Mars look that I think we, we associate with that red planet. So I don't know, it's to your point. Like, I think we're continuously inspired as writers by, by what's happening right now in technology. And I think to be honest, we steal from it, you know, like we're like, we want to be on the, you know, as we're building the show further and further, we'd love to kind of, you know, we look for like, where is the best spot to land on the moon? Like we put a lot of thought into Mm -hmm well, where would there be the best chance for water? And we had our researchers like, yeah. look, and we literally found this spot. We're like, okay, it's in the South Pole, Shackleton Crater. This feels like a good spot to do oh, this. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Like a few months later, NASA announces like one of the spots they're thinking about for their mission is Shackleton Crater, near Shackleton Crater. We're like, okay, this is, this is weird, you know, but it's, but in the end, it's not that coincidental. Like there are these spots on the moon that make the most sense for water and you want to be close to water, which is, which is great. The fact that water has remained a consistent, like even in the early days of yeah. like the new world and where, and mm-hmm. you know, w- r- like cities were built in towns on the edges of rivers. That's and the right. fact that that's what we need when we go to the moon and Mars, like where is the water? That's where we have to settle is really makes this feel more grounded, you know, because to us that this is the story of a new world, the yeah. story of like, you know, conquer and discovery. So yeah. In 2010 in the novel, uh, they talk about Europa as being a destination. Yeah. Like that would be the fertile crescent yeah. if you're going to use that analogy, because yeah. it's it's set up ideally with Jupiter as its close sun, I guess, in some ways, its energy giver. You know, yeah. that stuff is fascinating to me. Like, I wonder if we could colonize the moon or that sort of thing. Like, I mean, when I look at people can't even get on a make it on a spirit airlines trip from Phoenix to <laughs> San Diego, you know, it's like, could we really like, what is the, right. 
<laughs> like how we get, how how is spirit gonna take everybody to the moon? You know, back and forth. You know, because <laughs> you know, you know, once that gets going, spirit's gonna be oh, one of the oh. car- uh, carriers. That is a fact. There will be a low oh, cost yeah. carrier taking people to the moon. People getting drunk. They'll charge you for every little thing. You, oh, you want to use the bathroom? Well, that's gonna cost you. Oh, you want oxygen? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that you didn't ask for oxygen. Oh, and don't you dare show up at the spaceport without your oxygen. Yeah. To, yeah. Oh, you want zero G. Well, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So we do it. That's the other thing is what your show does. That's interesting. It's like many sci-fi shows imagine a future that we haven't seen yet, but you guys imagine a past that is kind of our future. It's, it's the past and the future at the same time. And the the more we get, get along, it it gets, we get more in that realm where like, you know, I think it's, is it, it would be season six, I think where we, would potentially like meet our modern, our, our time, you know, the show's going to air wow. in the era that, and imagine seeing a show set in the year that it's airing, but it looks like wow. the future. That would be yeah. amazing. Let's yeah. come on. Season I six. Slow <laughs> down. Yeah, wait. wait, do we still get a black president in season five? <laughs> I'm scared about season five. You guys I'm really scared. <laughs> yeah. Four is okay, you know, but five is really scary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. What does your next drive look like? Running between meetings? Maybe a getaway with the whole family? Either way, the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Do you guys uh, ever fight over these uh, alternative <laughs> timeline things? No, that never going to happen. Sorry, I don't care what you mean. Larry, if you, could read, uh-huh. if you could read the terse text messages we were sending each other at 10.30 last wow. night, fighting over some tiny thing no in a way. script... That that literally me is so meaningless. It, it's like it could be this or that. It doesn't really matter. And we're like, no, it has to be this. No, it has to be this. Ben and I care so much about each moment, and so sometimes we can get it can get a little uh, heated. But I think our you know we've been doing this together for a long time, and uh, mm-hmm. so our process winds up with in the end of the day with uh, with really great stuff. I think so. Um, it's, and it's most of the time it's really fun. Yeah, no, but the, I think argument, it's funny. Cause you know, we have a writer's room of amazing writers, but Matt and I have been in our own little mini writer's room for like 20 years, sure, which sure. is just us taught. I mean, so much, you know, so much, as you know, Larry, like so much of writing is talking. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I mean, so much is having talking, conversations. Yes. Conversation. And so those conversations sometimes go to arguments. And I have to say, mm-hmm. like, I personally love it in the room. When you have writers' passion of arguing for thousand percent, like, you I want agree that. With you, ben. You want yeah, it. that's what you want. You know, yeah. So you know, and I think in the end, what's great is you know, passion kind of wins out in a way. Like, yeah. you know, how far are you willing to fight for your idea and believe in it? And in, in the end, even between Matt and I, like, I think at some point, I'm like, I mean, if he believes this strongly in this, he mu- he must be yeah. right. You know, I'll give in on this one. But and it's an interesting thing with the alt history because. The, the sh- there's so many different layers to the show and, you know, we end up focusing so much on little moments, but I think that that's part of the process too. The details matter, yeah. you know, as showrunners, man, those details, like you, that's what you want from it. You want the people who care, who sweat the small stuff. Absolutely. Because I think an audience looks at that and they, when they see that you pay attention to the small things, they trust you with the bigger things. And I think that's, that's something we try real hard to, uh, 
to stay true to. No, it's very well said. And I always say, if something makes you uncomfortable as a writer, that's exactly the type of thing you should be trying to write. <laughs> you know, yep. Yep, challenge if, yourself. If it creates those type of uh, emotions. Where does, what is, what year does third season end? 95. It's sort of 92 to 95 range. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah. if let's say there is a pickup for a fourth season crossing our fingers here, um, would you still imagine like jumping ahead, like 10 years type of thing? Because the reason why I bring that up is because, man, the opportunity to incorporate a 9-11 type event in your yeah. type of story to me would be fascinating type yeah. of thing. Have you guys yeah. had any preliminary discussions about these types of things? Or? The goal is to jump a decade every time. And like we talked about earlier, yeah, it's like, what was the big event of the, yeah, of that era is 9-11. And for, by the way, for in our lives, I mean, I was in New York when that happened. So mm -hmm. that was a huge event in my life. And I think that's what's interesting going to events that are closer to what we actually experienced. And I think the, to me, the, the, sometimes the way to deal with it, especially now that we're talking 40 years after the butterfly effect began, sure. I doubt that a 9-11 would happen exactly how it happened, mm, you know? Interesting. And so we haven't had discussions to be honest about what that would be. But I think as we get into fourth season, you're right. It's like, what did the world look like mm -hmm. in real life around in that era? But and what would have changed because of the space race in that era is sort of how we always start that season out. Because there are butterfly effect things that we say in the show, like, for example, the Soviet Union decides instead of invading Afghanistan, in the they, they, they put all that money, say, you know what, let Afghanistan be. We're going to funnel that money into our space program, which is more important mm -hmm. conflict, which right. would have, you know, a, vast consequences going forward but also mm -hmm. in season three this idea that there's this new energy resource that kind of starts to sideline our our attachment to fossil fuels mm -hmm. i guarantee you that uh you know the the sort of the western democracies are going to be less concerned with what's going on in the middle east uh you know we have that right. moment in the beginning of season three where gary hart uh president hart declines to uh, uh, invade Iraq over Kuwait because the American, you know, uh, Kuwait was a massive oil producer for America. Right. So like there was a yeah. national interest in that. Whereas if it's just some country that is having a, a war, then we probably aren't going to do that. So, you know, it's really an mm. interesting thing. Right. Like how does the Middle East in a world where fossil fuels aren't nearly as important how does the middle east fit into the world in a different way that's our spin-off series about the middle east that's coming out in a few <laughs> yeah we don't let us go down the middle east so like so what is the middle east oh, yeah. if, if the west and we so much about oil and what happens there i mean that's a whole we could go down that rabbit hole for hours yeah that's fascinating yeah the whole territorial nature of what's going on there too let alone the religious yeah. aspects and yeah. all those things there's yeah. so much and they've been, you know, they've been mastering that type of fighting for the last like 5,000 years, pretty oh, yeah. much. You know? uh, do you guys have hope for space? Personally, do you think space can be a unifying cultural thing, uh, especially where we are now, where we all do seem fascinated by what Webb is showing us? But I don't know where we are in terms of exploration and and the world coming together. We're in a commercialization of space now more so than a nationalization of it, which it was before. Do you guys have taken any of that? I am incredibly hopeful, actually. Uh, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I cling to that hope sometimes when everything on earth seems to be going to shit wherever you look. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I do think there is, and it's, and it's inherent in the show. Uh, there is an optimism in our show that I think Ben and I 
have about what humanity is capable of. Mm-hmm. And I think what's amazing about the space program in, is that it does have the immediate ability to inspire people to what, what we're to the best of us. I think that people looking up to the sky and, and thinking about the good we can do and what, and the amazing things we can accomplish. I hope that, uh, that same sense of optimism can, you know, when they look back down at things on earth, they can see what, what could be here as well. And that's kind of our, that's kind of the, the point of the show is like things could, with little changes, things could be a lot better uh, than they are. It's possible. Yeah. People have always said the, the act of going up in space and just looking at the earth changes you. Uh, yeah. Fundamentally, many astronauts have talked about that and everything. Uh, and your show is the literal expression of that. <laughs> you know, just the act of doing something has changed everything. I, before we go, I just want to say bravo to your cast, you guys. Just handling uh, some of these time jumps and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, just some really good interaction. Just a stellar cast. Tell, tell me a little bit about that and working with these people. Oh, I, I can't speak highly enough about our cast. You know, mm-hmm. we, what they have to, it's funny in Hollywood, there's an obsession of, you know, the, the whole thing is like making, everyone wants to look younger. Yeah. Our cast, <laughs> every season we have to be like, okay, how do we make you look older? I, know. <laughs> I can't tell you like, the hours they go through every morning, <sighs> of prosthetics, the eye. And, you know, these beautiful yeah. specimens of humans, there's like gray, balding, like, what, what can we do here? And I have to say, like, they, they go for it, you know, wow. they, 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 they go for it, yeah. they embrace it, not just in looks, but in how they carry themselves, mm-hmm. how they, they really take to this idea of selling these time jumps, because it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, right. you know, we don't use visual effects in that. So it's purely prosthetics and it's oh. body language. Very um, subtle. Some of it's very subtle. Yeah, very subtle. But for many of them, you know, from the time we casted them. We, they knew the idea was oh. like, we're ju- this isn't the story. You know, we're not just telling the story of you in this particular point in your life. Yeah. This is in many ways, the story of your lifetime that we're telling. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and the power of like being able to kind of go through an experience with an actor when they're younger and see them evolve as a human from season one to season two to season three. I think even for them, like going through the process has been incredible because they've, you know, just seeing them even evolve as actors. Mm-hmm in that way has been incredible to watch. And, and I think, yeah, like, look, t- you know, more than anyone, like TV, there's the writing is obviously essential, but to mm-hmm. me, the, the cast, the so cast important. you have, that you so go important. as far as the cast takes you. Like, Absolutely. And I, and we're very, we're very ecstatic that we've been lucky enough and have had the good casting directors to really make sure we get the right people for these roles. And yeah, they've, they've, you know, exceeded our expectations, honestly. That's great. Well, congratulations, you guys. I so appreciate you taking the time. Um, consider me instant fans of your work. Um, it's so, guys, there's so much to love about this. I have to tell you guys out there, it's, it's, there's so many different layers, you know, just the stories, which I haven't talked about that much at all, are so fascinating, you know, um, especially how they jump over time and some things are, you know, are still in there. And, it, to me, it kind of deals with human nature, the fact that sometimes a tragedy might have happened in the past, and you can still see the seeds of that in the person as they deal with it. Sometimes it was just a fuck up, you know, <laughs> right? You know, the, the relationship or that type of thing. It's still be kind of an issue in there or something, you know. I find like 
These guys have have observed a lot about human nature and some of the storytelling, which is is it's a treat too. So I want you to know I, I appreciate that. I think the fans of the show like that a lot too. I'm sure you know. So how many episodes have dropped so far? How many do we have to look forward to for season three? Six episodes have dropped so far, uh, and there will mm-hmm. be four more. We do ten each season. Oh. So um, uh, yeah, it's it's you know these, the, the these last four I will say are pretty. Yeah. They're pretty epic. epic. So, oh. uh, yeah. buckle in. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Any spoilers? Anything? Or oh God, no spoilers? Damn it. Just watch. <laughs> ah. For all mankind, you guys, for all mankind, uh, Apple Plus, uh, if you don't have a subscription, you know, just steal somebody's password is what I always say. <laughs> you know, that's why Apple, Apple really doesn't care. They're selling so many iPhones, you guys. Netflix probably cares right now because of their stocks. But Apple, they just want you to buy an iPhone, watch these shows. <laughs> and I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at them at all. You know, if they can give us this kind of stuff, they're good for them. Good for you, Apple. Matt Wilper, Ben, ben DV. thanks so much, you guys. Best of luck with the rest of this run. And for seasons four, and five, don't kill, don't make sure Obama gets elected in season six. <laughs> kind of see where we are right now. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we do it. Thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you, Larry. Very much. Pleasure talking to you. Oh, it's my pleasure.